I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Roker Report podcast, where I come bringing good news, something I don't feel like I've done in about seven calendar years. Sunderland, as of recent, have got a respectable draw away to Fleetwood Town, who are in and around the promotion chase, and we have, as of yesterday, beaten Lincoln City 3-1 to move ourselves up to ninth and within one point of the playoffs. Such as the volatile nature of this year's League One, only two decent results are getting us back in a place where we much prefer to being 13th. So let's just jump straight back into it. I am Alex, as always. Well, I say as always, I'm kind of in and out really but I'm your host Alex who's back um, on a sporadic basis. I am joined in the studio first of all by fellow Roker reporter Mr Craig Chapman. How are you doing Craig? Very well, how are you? I'm alright, thanks for asking. Uh, how's how's life? Taking over, Yeah, winning games. It's all right, isn't Two it? and three or four and 17 but uh... <laughs> yeah, it's all about perspective isn't it really? We're getting there slowly yeah. but surely. If we, if we sort of like narrow our scope though we're going to look at two and three and that looks quite nice. Yeah, it's better than it was on Boxing Day. Certainly is, and I'm also joined by Sam, also of the Roker Report. How are you doing, Sam? I'm all right. Um, how are you? How am I? You know, uh, well, uh, again, I'll, I'll use that classic joke. I haven't changed since the last five seconds. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I don't feel he cared when he asked that. No, I, no I, 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 I don't think he did. There was yeah, no effort in that. It was very robotic. See, I, I mean, obviously, this is an audio-based platform, but I looked at Craig and. You know, it, when, it when, 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 when he spoke, he spoke with his eyes, and I and I could really see how much he cared. Whereas Sam, Sam didn't even look at me when he said that. Like he was no, looking was at his phone. It was like Phil Parkinson's post-match interviews it was, when he yeah. came <laughs> up with Oscar in the face, wasn't it? Yeah, Sam was was picking his picking his He's shirt there, channeling Phil. Mm. Oh, I'm all right. Yeah, we are you. That's that's what that's you, Sam. Yeah, that's you. That's how he sounds. sounds. That's yeah. how you sound. I'm also joined by SFC Fan TV's Jacob Kirkbride. How are you doing, Jacob? I'm buzzing. Thanks. Still getting um. Good vibe off the very successful festive period that the team has had. Um, shame it's coming to an end right now because um, we've got a very difficult game at home next week against Wickham. So, but um, yeah, I've enjoyed it. Um, I'm very well, thanks. Especially after the game yesterday. There's no reason not to be given how things have gone. When you take seven points from nine, it's it's generally cause for you know just 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 a bit of happiness, just a bit. We we don't really ever allow ourselves too much as Sunderland fans, but in this case, I think we can give ourselves just this moment on this pod today. Let's start with the three-word review. So, as always, we all know how this goes. We ask the good people of Twitter for a three-word summary of the recent events in the life of a Sunderland fan. So, Anthony Waterston says 100 points. And then in brackets, we can only finish on 98 points mathematically now. So thanks for that, Ant. 
Carl M14 says we've missed Gooch. Mrs. Thubs says we wanted four. Sand Dancer 12 says promotion push on. GM Hopper 10 says lucky against rubbish. Bucky 1973 says lucky to win. V- Can't pronounce this, gonna try. Velo Chef 6 says flatter to deceive. June and Alan say get off backs. Gavin Grady says more like it. And James Turnbull says Phil Parkinson in. Let's start in, I suppose, because that wins fresh in our minds, we'll go in reverse chronological order. We're going to start by talking about the Lincoln game where obviously we won 3-1. For those who were under a rock and sadly missed a rare spectacle of a Phil Parkinson Sunderland win, basically we started off fairly comfortably at home to Lincoln. We still looked like the capable attacking threat that played against Fleetwood and Doncaster. And our efforts were rewarded from a corner, which Flanagan nodded in to make it 1-0. Sunderland would then double and then subsequently triple the original lead, thanks to a fairly haphazard attempt at a clearance from the Lincoln City goalkeeper, in which the ball was kicked onto Chris Maguire's head, which then found Lyndon Gooch's head, which then found the net to make it 2-0. And from there, I don't believe too long afterward, we had a route one ball over the top, um, and the Lincoln defenders tried to do something that resembled a clearance, but ultimately failed, allowing Lyndon Gooch, in all of his five foot eight glory, to run through on goal, shrugging off both, or rather all three of the defenders, and finding the far right corner of the net with perfect precision to make a 3-0. The second half was fairly uneventful, as some of them were quite flat in the 45 minutes, probably understandable given that they've played about, I don't know, seven times over the Christmas period, but... We allowed Lincoln to get back into the game thanks to a dubious goal in which there was a potential foul on offside, but obviously we don't try to give too much of our attention to the officiating of League One to save our sanity. But ultimately that brought to 3-1, but that's how the game would end. Sunderland were comfortable winners in the end in a game where we always looked like the better team. Let's get into the actual discussion from our guests so I can stop talking. We'll start with you, Jacob. What did you make of the game? Um, I think it was a very controlled performance. I think the energy levels weren't quite their second half, but I think that's mainly because of tiredness coming off these run of like pack, compact fixture lists we've had recently, which is the case for all teams over the Christmas period. But um, yeah, very solid win. It goes, obviously we were discussing um, before we went on air, when we win, it's free at the back with wing-backs. When we lose, we, we've started with a five and then yeah. play very... Was it compact with a, a long ball style for most of the game without really any effective midfield play? But I think in terms of our midfield play yesterday, George Dobson and Max Power linked up very well. And it feels like that's a solid backdrop to work on with these tough games we've mm-hmm. got coming up at the moment. Would you say there was a lot more of a presence in midfield? Because I think mm-hmm. one of the criticisms I had against Fleetwood, while I, again I thought we were the dominant team, the midfield looked a little bit absent so I think that kind of halted play a bit I don't know what you think yeah just um I felt like we didn't have enough urgency in that Fleetwood game to like really take the game to them in mm-hmm. the final third and like I think we needed a little bit more pace in the final third which is why we brought dunks on which won the penalty in the end um that obviously got us the point but um looking back on it um we should have won that game really with the chances we had and I think if we did then we would be in the playoffs now I believe Looking at the table. Mathematically, yeah. yeah, I think we would have been. I think we would have nudged Peterborough out, or we would have nudged somebody out in the sixth. I forget who, mm. but ultimately, yeah, you're right. We would be in there. Uh, looking at the looking back at the at the Lincoln game, though, obviously, it, it was a good performance. All things considered, you, you know, while the second half was a bit flat, it was overall a very solid professional display. Who were your standout performers? Um, George Dobson, I thought, knocked it about very well. Mm-hmm. I think when 
Max Powers next. I think it, it took a while for them to to get their rhythm rhythm of play going when they were starting games together. But I think now it's starting to click very well. Um, Luko Nine's energy levels um, at home against the team who are going to sit back a lot during the game um, is absolutely fantastic once again. And like down that right hand side, it's just um, a blessing at times. It's a shame that. Um, you couldn't get on the score sheet compared to that chance you missed against Fleetwood, which yeah, um, yeah we, you should have been burying that really. It was harder than miss, I think, than the score. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> absolutely terrible. But um, yeah, you have to, you can't fault his his work ethic, Luke Nine. Over the course of the season, he'll be someone we really need in like going into the latter stages of the campaign. Um, Denver Hume on the left, very good once again, and um, Jordan Willis. I thought like whenever. I think because they brought on a big physical s- striker in John Akinbe at half time, he he coped with him very well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think th- there was one moment as well. I think when um, I think that uh, Akinbe was uh, well, not through on goal per se, but he would he was sort of he'd, he'd made a run down. Uh, they had a ball through. He was making a run down. He, there were about twenty yards between him and the goal, and Willis recovered brilliantly and, and got a foot in and, and halted the play entirely. And I think that was just a testament in in one instance to how well Willis did play yesterday. Yeah. I think he's. Maybe an outside shot for man of the match from what I saw it. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Like I think we were. Um, you look at like how how he plays and like how much pace he has for mm-hmm. a centre back. We were very lucky to get him really on a free. I think like on his day he could be championship level. Like for a team, I would say like mid table team in the championship. Mm-hmm. Like potentially even better than that. I think he at Coventry had a few injury problems that let him down, but I think he's one of the key men we need to remain fit in our squad at the moment. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's our best defender? Yeah, I'd say so. Mm-hmm. I think when you've got him playing, um, we've got a, a far better chance of keeping a clean sheet. Obviously, it's a shame that we're not doing that at the moment, but I think it's just around the corner. And obviously, we, I felt with when Lynch is playing next to him, um, he looks an even better player than mm-hmm. what he is, I think. Lynch is a very assured yeah. presence, I think, mm-hmm. with him. Yeah, with like the physicality and experience Lynch has and um the pace that um Jordan Willis has to like track down key like front men, I think the two like play very well. But also, um speaking of our defenders, Flanagan he got a goal for his wards and um he did have a few misplaced passes yesterday, but um overall it was a pretty solid performance from him as well. Yeah, I would definitely say so. What do you two other boys think? Any thoughts? Yeah, I'd pretty much agree with uh, with the entire sentiment. Really, I, I think for me, the one of the standouts was Jordan Willis. And again, just touching on what we said, he was very calm. He's very assured, and I don't think that's any coincidence. Really, that you know, when we really got going yesterday, everyone had that spring in the step. You know, they were they were chasing down the extra challenges. And just touching on the midfield, I think one of the the criticisms, if you like, that we've had for quite a long time is we often get overran. You know, the small. Um, you know, not very athletic, if you like. I mean, they're all of the same ilk, really. The majority of our midfielders. Um, but what was what was good yesterday, I thought, was you know just that continuous pressing, and I think we're frightened the life out of Lincoln when we when we got going, when we're chasing down every ball. And what was excellent, I think, in one particular moment, I'm not sure if you recall, everyone really had a good go at them. It was. Dobson went to chase a ball down, Power did, um, Gooch did, everyone got stuck in. And then when, when we won the ball back and it was dead in play, everyone around each other applauding each other for the efforts. And you could you could really see a, a good synchronisation between them. Um, 
which I think is it's it's good it's good to see because like I said in terms of our midfield of late they've been sat deep they've been very very holding um you know just kind of continuously protecting that back line so it was nice to see them take the shackles off a little bit I've been one of Dobson's biggest critics yeah it was one of his better games I still expect to see an awful lot more but I think going forward that is likely now going to be the the definitive partnership mm-hmm. if you like between him and Max Power because I think now, knowing that way, we're so close to the the promotion pack, if you like, we we have to kind of keep this sort of momentum now. We can't go into games and say, look, we're we're going to change the way we're playing um, by say, you know, accommodating lead better someone who's then going to have to do a lot of his work. We really need to take the game to teams. So it was it was promising to see that yesterday. Um, I thought Lyndon Gooch was was absolutely fantastic. I thought he buckled in. He worked incredibly hard, and this is. From somebody who's had a lengthy layoff, um, I thought he scored an excellent goal at Doncaster. He's been rewarded again for his efforts and his persistence for chasing things down yesterday. Um, and again, yeah, it was it was a really all around solid performance. I do think, yeah, in the second half, naturally, because of the amount of games that we have played, it is inevitable that the performance levels are going to somewhat drop. But I don't think Lincoln really really threatened at all. Um, I mean, I think if I remember rightly, they didn't really have a shot on target until maybe around the 60-minute mark. There was a period of maybe five minutes or so after they scored where they had the tails up and you think, right, they're probably going to come at us. But even then, I thought they were they were terrible. Um, really they weren't bad. clinical. No. I think, and it's not to do any disservice to basically any of the players on the pitch yesterday, if we play a better class of opposition, the reality is we're probably going to be in for a, a tougher game and that will reflect next week against Wickham. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to get too carried away in terms of who we've beat. We still really haven't beat anyone above us. Um, but nevertheless, it, it's a good win. It's an important win. We would have took 3-1 before. Uh, so, so, yeah, we've, we've really got to take more positives than negatives away from it. Mm-hmm. Coming back to um, what you were saying there about putting the pressure on, which I think is, is an excellent point. It's something that was, I think, very much apparent when we when we got ahead against Lincoln that we certainly didn't take our foot off the pedal at all. If anything, we, we, we you know we, we slammed it down. You had your players like Maguire and Gooch on the pitch yeah. who have always been, I think, our best pressers, and that was reflected very much so by forcing the air out of Lincoln for the second goal, obviously. Maguire that- and Gooch chase them down, they make a mistake, the blunder, and then with that, those two were there to capitalise. One thing I will say as well, Lon, I'll come back on this one, Craig. I, I think I thought the fans yesterday played to that immensely well. Yeah. I think when, when Sunderland were on the offensive, I think the fans really got behind them. Do you think it's possible to say that a real asset to our promotion push this season would be the culmination of our players putting the pressure on by maybe playing a pressing game and forcing errors and the fans really sort of like getting behind them and really being for the blood to get the goal? Definitely, yeah. I think in terms of some of the post-match comments I've seen yesterday, their manager said they just did not know what hit them. And they mm-hmm. got into the dressing room at half-time and basically they, they couldn't kind of understand the collapse. Mm-hmm. Now, we've seen that a few times. We've seen it under Jack Ross, uh, the Rochdale game last season, Barnsley mm-hmm. um, and Scunthorpe, I believe, as well. And it, it happened again with Tranmere and, and obviously yesterday as well. And it's it's no surprise, really. Look, I don't want to say that, you know, it's always us responding or anything because I thought the fans were excellent yesterday mm-hmm. the, and they have been all season. But what was what was good yesterday was, as like you said, it was that synchronisation. Really, it was the case that we could see players digging in, and one of the old cliches that you always hear is, you know, we'll, we'll celebrate a tackle like a goal. And Max Power yesterday, he, when he won the ball back from one particular instant, you know, everyone roared mm-hmm. to the feet. There was applause, and it was a real, real good kind of feel good factor about the place. And I mean, like I said, it's 
it's it'd be fair to kind of scream and shout at fans and say you know you you, you haven't done this we have we, we've, we've done this like a large large times throughout the course of games i remember in particular the burton game where you know the fans were right behind them and then players performance levels dropped so they they didn't kind of marry up they didn't match us in that level and, and that's what all we ask for really is go out onto that pitch and basically deliver everything you can and it was the same at Doncaster and you will be rewarded for the support the Doncaster fans said after that game that they'd never heard a noise like it in that away end and and that's what you that's what you come to expect with Sunderland fans and again it's a testament to everybody yesterday that we keep saying it we're at the lowest position really in our history fluctuating between where we are now to where we were last week but one ever present has been the fans, and I think we've been absolutely magnificent. Absolutely, Sam. We'll have some thoughts for you, then we'll move on. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the main thing I took from the game, <coughs> Craig touching up, was the the pressing, and I think it's been evident in the last three games since the Bolton game, which I think we can all agree was just shocking. And then it was a great way for them to come back. Um, I particularly noticed against Doncaster when we were just in people's faces, and it seems that in this league. Teams don't really know how to cope with that, and we saw it in the second goal yesterday. You, you get in people's faces, and rather than them adjusting to it, they just kind of panic and sort of offer you the ball in a way. And um, I think it was good, and hopefully, well, that's obviously came from Partinson or came from the coaching staff or came from the players itself, which is exactly what we needed to get the fans back on track. And like you were talking about there, usually when the fans are on point, the players respond to that and give a mm-hmm. performance like yesterday, which is. Everything you want as a Sunderland fan, really, you want, even if it's not the most entertaining game, you just want 11 players on the pitch who are playing for the shirt and trying the hardest and will respond to that. And hopefully it's good going forward. Obviously, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, as you were saying. Um, it'll be interesting next week against Wickham, but if we play with the same intensity and the same um, sort of desire, I don't see why we can't get something from the game, really. Mm-hmm. The fans will be well up for that next week. Yeah. Are we putting, I mean, obviously, not to be too negative after, you know, after such a rare semblance of positivity, but while that was a very comfortable win in the end yesterday, the worst significantly flatter in the second half, uh, what are we putting that down to, do we think? I think Jacob touched upon it earlier, is a lot of games in quick succession. Yeah. But it is something that we have seen quite regular in our time in League One, so albeit I'll, I'll, I'll definitely agree with that, um... But look, we've we've got a fairly big squad. So Charlie White was, you know, he was he was touch and go apparently with a with a throat infection. I think I heard. Yeah, that's right. As as far as kickoff yesterday, so if it's the case that the game is say out of sight, which it really was after that ten minute period, you could never see Lincoln coming back into that game. Maybe get a half time and, and, and take him off because what I would be looking at yesterday is I've mentioned quite a few times of late is I think Mark McNulty's been quite effective when he's come on yeah. and it's always been the last five, ten minutes of mm-hmm. games and if you're chasing a game it's going to be incredibly difficult obviously to get something um, and I feel like he does need obviously more game time because he's going to come on he's going to look a bit rusty um, maybe even Will Grigg dare I say you know is it a last chance saloon if he is potentially going to go out on loan we don't know um, but I feel that we do have a big enough squad to to make the early changes. Um, I, I mean, again, I don't know where he is. I'm still tin hat on, a bit of fan of Dylan McGeoch. So it perhaps would have been nice to see him involved over, over the Christmas period at some stage as well. Because there's a lot of games, you know, when you say have Lyndon Gucci nursing him back to full fitness, you don't want to basically see an unbelievable performance from him yesterday. And then all of a sudden he burns himself out. And then you go, right, shit, we're back to square one. 
Um, same with Denver Hume. We don't have any cover for him now, um, albeit Lawrence Tabak, I don't think, was cover for anybody. Um, but we've got to be very, very kind of protective of, of the players unless we are going to be um, reinvesting in those key areas. So, yeah, while I do agree that, you know, I, I will allow the Christmas period to be a factor for that, I, I do think that we could have been a bit more kind of careful in team selections over the course of the past few games. Um, and, and I think going forward as well that we should perhaps try and utilise the squad a little bit more efficiently. Yeah, I think that's a tricky one because there are probably maybe two... It's probably quite a polarising opinion, I would imagine, among the fan base where obviously most of us can probably see that we've played a lot of games over Christmas and as a consequence, the naturally the lads are going to be... They're going to be. They're going to be fatigued. That that's that's just a thing that's going to happen. But then I think what's the difficulty is, I think while some of us would have liked us possibly to 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 really like to really go for the jugular on Lincoln and maybe you know let's make this entertaining. We've we've just put three past them in quick succession. That obviously, you know, they're they're looking quite frightened. Let's try and get three more in the second half. Whereas some of us would probably think actually we've got some big games coming up. Maybe let's sort of bank what we've got here mm. and let's take off some of the players yeah. who are getting yeah. and they're getting nagged. Because like what you said there, Craig, we've got players like Hume and Gooch and and Wyke even. Let's say um let's say if 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 um, Denver Hume and Lyndon Gooch pick up an injury, you know, we are looking significantly weaker going into whatever the next game is. You know, there are players in that team while, you know, obviously they're they're very good, but I think we lack adequate cover for a lot of them. That's my only fear. One of the interesting comments is Again, kind of like you mentioned about the whole take the foot off the gas thing. Um, and that was one of the criticisms that Jack Ross got at the start of the season. An awful lot, he got that at Accrington. Um, and it was a question about players' fitness. Now, I, I've known a lot of people yesterday said that they look an awful lot fitter mm-hmm. with a spring in the step. Now, I don't know. Do other teams have the same concerns, if you like, that potentially they, they can't get through, say, two to three games in a week? Because as we stand now, we're... we're Look, the Christmas period is always a very, very busy period for football. But between now and May, we're pretty much going to be in a Saturday, Tuesday rhythm. Sometimes even, obviously, Doncaster on the Friday night. So it's going to be there or thereabouts for two games a week between now and the next four and a half, five months. So, you know, I I do think that, obviously, we we are going to have to to ensure that the players that aren't getting their their game time at the moment they need to be fit they need to they need to have that match fitness they need to have that sharpness because it's like you said we, we take Lyndon Gooch out of take uh, Denver Hume out we don't really have anybody adequate to bring in Conor McLaughlin albeit I think is absolutely shocking um, you know if we need to call him into the squad he hasn't really had an awful lot of game time and he's going to look rusty and he's going to look worse than what he has already so I, I, th- I think we need to, to ensure that perhaps even if these lads aren't getting game time in in the first team maybe even look to to give them a little run out in the 23s that'll that'll not do them any harm it'll not do them um you know any dent to the confidence of perhaps say McNulty or Greg can can get half an hour in a 23s game maybe score some goals and and hopefully um and hopefully try and re- restake their their claim in the first team because so like you said we'll lose Charlie Wyke that's kind of Phil Parkinson's plan, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have anybody else to play that game. So No, so obviously failing any adequate signing in January. Or we're up the creek without a paddle if one of them gets injured. Yeah, I think so. And and as we've, as we've both said there, you know, that extends to various areas of the pitch. Anyway, um, one thing that's interesting to talk about, though, and again, I'm trying not to sort of like stay negative here, but if we're going to look constructively and realistically, realistically towards the Wickham game, as it stands, Wickham are top of League One, and we play them at home next week, which is obviously a crucial game in our in our promotion push. Now we've played Lincoln and we've beat them three one, but Lincoln is sixteenth. 
and as Craig said earlier, we, we haven't really gotten any good results against teams above us. And when we played Fleetwood, again, that's a team who were and still are above us. And we managed a 1-1 draw in a game which was quite frustrating because we looked like the better team, but we couldn't capitalise. Looking at the Fleetwood game now, are there any concerns, lads, looking at that game that could transfer over to the Wickham game? Just, um, I would say, improvement on finishing, really. I think because yeah. obviously Wickham are going to have a completely different style of play to what Lincoln showed yesterday. I, I would say they're going to be more physical with the players they've got, especially with someone like Akin Fenwa mm-hmm. up front as well. There will be a lot of long balls. So we may need to change our game slightly to adapt to that and like potentially get... Because I think we the last few games we've played a lot of counter-attacking style and that midfield work, I think in that Wickham game we may need to get a lot more crosses into the box mm-hmm. to like potentially for Charlie to get his head up because it'll be one of those type of games where we will need Charlie to be at his best I yeah. think yeah because it suits the, the mm-hmm. football will suit him if you know what I mean is there not a concern with with Sunderland when we play let's call them the better teams in this league which evidently looking at the Fleetwood game isn't seeing an awful lot mm. but is there not a, maybe a concern that we aren't a particularly tricky team to defend against, given that we're quite predictable with what we do? Because I feel like mm. in the Fleetwood game, a lot of the offensives came from, um, let's knock a couple of nice passes around, you know, put a good move together and then hit an early cross into Wyke. But then Wyke would have three defenders on him. So it's just a case of right, head it away. And then if it falls to our defender, right, clear it. And then that's sort of, you know, threat number seven of 25 done for Sunderland today. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, also another thing to touch on, I think like when opposition has a set piece against us, we just look very nervy, Mm -hmm. like trying to defend them. And I think that's what Wickham will want to thrive on next week Mm -hmm. because when we played them down there, I was at the game, like set every set piece they had, it looked like they were going to score and they ended up getting a reward from one of them. They put one in 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 the opening 20 minutes, which was Mm -hmm. the only goal of the game. Mm -hmm. Wickham, I think, looking at them, aren't a very dynamic team. They, mm. for me, and I, I mean, while I don't profess to watch them week in, week out, when I have seen them over the course of the past two years, I find them to be very one-dimensional. I think they, they you know, they're, they're a big physical team and they use things like set pieces. They use the sort of the, 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 the sheer presence of them to really sort of like shoulder barge their way to victories. And we saw it like, as, when we played them down there. I think one of their players said, "You come to our house, you play our rules." That's how they. So yeah. that, that's their. That's Gareth Ainsworth's Wickham's culture. Is mm. you know we play a, a rough physical game. We use quite routine ways of getting goals, mm. and it, it 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 undid us if that's even a word. We, well, we were undone mm. by that when we went down. I there. think yeah, because we were linked with um, Gareth Ainsworth when Ross got the sack, winner. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think because when we brought Parkinson in, I think what the people at the top were looking at was a manager that could bring in a style of football that can adapt well to this league and still get results which Mm -hmm. under Ross at times it was good to watch but we weren't like grinding out by that result that we really needed and we also weren't sure of what actually our style of play was especially towards the end a lot of us were thinking I'm not entirely sure what Ross wants us to do here and I think a lot of I think the the Ainsworth appointment was quite a seductive one because you knew what you were getting you know it was like Mm. sort of Ainsworth style of play was rubber stamped on, on the label you know, mm. it was he, he would do what he said on the tin. Yeah. And I think that was. I think the main reason we didn't go for him was just purely because his lack of experience when it came to promotion, yeah. which Parkinson did have. I think he instills a lot of confidence in mm-hmm. that side as well. And I remember one of the things from last season 
um, it was commented to say that they got the opportunity to walk in like a side door at the Stadium of Light and mm-hmm. he basically told his players he said no we, we go in the front door we're not you know um, lesser than these we're, we're on an even keel and and you could just see that there was an awful lot of positivity and I think for example yesterday Lincoln were like rabbit in the headlights when we put them to the sword for that 10 minutes they just could not cope and they got frightened and the crowd got, um, you know obviously unnerved them if you like mm-hmm. That didn't quite happen when Wickham came here last season. And it was, um, to be honest, I mean, I think every game we've had against them have been awful games of football, really, because they play in a particular way. They're there to irritate you, frustrate you. And you can see a lot of our players did get bullied. They were getting um, unnecessary yellow cards. So it wouldn't surprise me next week to perhaps see Grant Ledbetter get involved again um, Mm -hmm. for maybe like a more experienced head. Maybe somebody who will sit alongside Power and Dobson, whether whether that's perhaps the way it would go, because you know it, it wouldn't surprise me to see them come up, up here again and, and be back to the usual tricks of the physicality and get under our skin. Because as good as the crowd are, um, you know, if, if something goes against us, we we can obviously have a bit of a moan and things like that, and the, uh, not necessarily at our players, of course, but that can perhaps translate into the players thinking, "Oh Christ, do you know what I mean? We're we're really going to have to try and get back to it now." But yeah, I, for me, it, it like I said, I think we've been vulnerable um, an awful lot against them. And Jacob alluded to the set pieces. So what, what I would like to see necessarily next week is is take more of our chances, just be mm-hmm. a bit more adventurous. You seen power yesterday. We know that he can basically smash a ball from from pretty any, from much any distance, yeah, yeah. and he, and he braves one against the crossbar from twenty five yards out. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you doing that more often? And if you're doing that when you say two three nil up, and one goes thirty yards over the bar, who cares? Mm-hmm. Because at least you go right. We're trying different things. Um, I mean, tin hat on. I think this is the sort of game where you'd have Aidan McGeady involved as well. Um, mm-hmm. That's a conversation for another day. <laughs> but again, I would I would like to see say maybe Chris Maguire replicate yesterday's performance into next week as well. You know, get at them, get under their skin, mm-hmm. do something like what we've done against Portsmouth in the first leg of the playoffs. Because player for player. We're better than Wickham. Absolutely. Absolutely. On paper, they're not a good team. But no. but they've got a job. They stick yeah. to it. And it's important that we basically stick to ours. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be an ugly game of football. We'll all be prepared for that, of course. Um, but, yeah, look, we've got nothing to be fearful for. And that is coming from me. And like I said, I'm not Phil Parkinson's biggest fan. But I think if we set the team up like, like he has, there's no reason why with the players playing the way they are at the moment that we can't take maximum points and if we do then it's going to send out a statement because like we've all discussed besides say Portsmouth at the start of the season and the draw at Ipswich and maybe at home to Oxford haven't really done anything of note against a team to frighten them I overheard a couple of comments yesterday from Lincoln fans walking towards the ground going oh well we should be winning against teams like Sunderland and I'm thinking sorry what <laughs> no disrespect but like we're Sunderland we should be beating basically any team like you was comfortable. This is your cup final. Um, so As evidenced I, by the 5,000 fans. Yeah, yeah and mm. obviously by the nice day out. and Well, they couldn't even get the Netflix song right, could they? But no. listen, that's that's a conversation for another day. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be an incredibly, incredibly frustrating, ugly game of football. But we stick to our plan and I'm more than confident mm-hmm. we'll take maximum points. I think we'll move on to the questions now, but as one final point on that. I think this is a game where we as fans, I think, should really do our bit to get behind the team because it's something we've spoken about there. Gareth Ainsworth's team is not built on the individual talent of his players. Craig said there, and he's totally right, you know, player for player, we are significantly better than Wickham Wanderers are. However, 
they've structured their entire sort of ethos and identity around being aggressive, being, you know, you might say arrogant, but in a way that's very effective. That's no disrespect to them necessarily, because I think what they're doing, they're doing very well. If it works, it works. If it works, it works. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he's not breaking any laws. He's making a team that's very aggressive, very sort of like... <laughs> Very self-righteous, very confident. It's not too dissimilar of Wimbledon in the nineties. No, um, it's not. And the mean, crazy gang. Yeah, even when people turn the nose up at say perhaps Stoke, you know, maybe ten years ago that they were scoring a lot of goals from throw-ins. It's like so be it. But it was working. It was yeah. working. So mm, I mean, if we score, we score ugly goals like, like like we did yesterday, we pressed, and that second goal was mm. an absolute disgrace yeah. defending. But <sighs> if it crosses well, the line, yeah. you don't care. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I think what we need is if if our players like Gooch and Maguire are playing the aggressive style of football or playing against Lincoln, forcing mistakes out of defenders. Maybe you've got power and a little bit of having shots from range. Things that are going to galvanise the fans. Yeah. That is going to go a long way, I think. Get up. If, if, their, if their sort of identity is built around their sheer personality, then we need ours <clears> to be louder. Yeah. Because if we can get them on that front and on talent, then we've got them and we've got maximum points. Do you feel that some of our players maybe had um, like a little bit of an arrogance about them again yesterday? You know, you could... I think I think Maguire, with, with respect, always does, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I no, think, no, no. I was yeah. going to say not necessarily in a negative way, but I mean when you went three and up, you you seen them sort of having a bit of a laugh and a joke, yeah. and you, you could basically see that it was kind of we're not where we are. Admittedly, you know, we were in and around the playoffs, and we're, we're close enough now. But it was it was good to basically see them kind of enjoy themselves again because. You've watched them walk off the pitch a good few times with the head down and think, and, and, and who knows what they think, but they've looked miserable as sin. Yeah. Mm. So it was nice to see them get the rewards yesterday. And I honestly would like them to now look at next week and go, you know what, let's let's do that again. Mm-hmm. It's a big game. Absolutely. Anyway, on our questions. So we asked some of the people of social media for some questions for us and some talking points for today. We'll start with this one from Panhead1973, who says... Voice of the fans who start a campaign without knowing the fans' opinions, rubbish media. Mm. Let's start with you here, Sam. I think we were talking about this earlier. I don't think we've ever claimed to be the voice of all fans. What people sometimes don't understand is there's just difference of opinion in everything. I mean, I go to the match with five friends and we can all sit in the pub and have an argument where we all won't agree. Mm-hmm. But then we go to the match together and we all watch the same match. I think it's just it's just realising that people can stand up for something if they believe in it and it shouldn't, even if I don't agree with it or you don't agree with it, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we should turn our nose about it. You can have your opinion, you can have a conversation about it, but I think I think it was nice to just see the fans, sort of, and I don't want to misuse the fans again, but uh, sort of get together and do something what they felt was right, but... All in all, I just think go to the match and have your opinion, really. Yeah, I think the most crucial point to take away from that is voice of the fans, I would say respectfully, is not what we are. No. And that's a, that's a misinterpretation and misunderstanding of what Roker Report represent and the Roker Report represent. You know, ultimately in this room, there are four Sunderland fans who are giving their opinions. And I think it's often the case with football, if you have four fans in a room, you get eight opinions, you yeah. know, and, and all of which are different. 100%. And that's the case. At no point do we ever claim to speak on behalf of all of the fans. No. So if you feel that like, if you feel that we are, then obviously I I apologise for the mis- misconception, but you know we certainly aren't, and don't ever feel that just because there's a a campaign quote unquote on our say Twitter account that that you are sort of drafted into it because certainly you aren't. This is just one source of opinion on SAFC, but it it in no way represents all of the rest of the Sunderland fan base. Anyway, we'll move on to the next one, which is from Ryan Haddock, who says, Do you believe getting rid of McGeady could be a huge turning point for our season? So far, results haven't been bad and unbeaten without him. 
We'll go to you, Jacob. What do you make of that? Ah, uh, it's um, it's a strange one to be honest. I mean, there was a lot of debate going around at the match yesterday. Like, we've gotten a few bad eggs out the dressing room, and mm-hmm. it's created a reaction. They purely think it's because of that, or it could be the fact that there's been a whole load of negativity going on around the club recently. Where I think what the manager's done with the players is, um, listen, because of all this negativity, you can go down, like get your head down and play with just a little bit more freedom and just forget about it and mm-hmm. it seems to have clicked. Yeah. Do you think there was a possibly like an over-reliance on McGeady? Yeah, I think with, um, obviously, because we don't know the full story, we're not in the position to comment, but I feel like, obviously, what part, I don't think Parkinson purely wanted him out of the club. I think he, he potentially tried his best to like, get him on board with the ideas he wanted to bring. It hasn't worked with him, but I think with... Because um, I think with, with the whole story, was it Chris Maguire was involved in it as well? Yeah, Something to do. Yeah, yeah. I think it's had a, a positive effect on Maguire, but not so McGeady. But if that's the case, what, what can you do? We just simply have to move on from it. Mm-hmm. Was there perhaps, maybe this is my tin hat on, is there an argument to be made that this whole fiasco comes at quite a convenient time for us because McGeady was on the decline? Yes. Um, one of the points that I put forward, and again, it's all about opinions, and like Jacob is is 100% correct, we, we don't know the specifics on it. It was a bit of a weird time and that it, it all kind of came to fruition, if you like, that he's had the McDonald's incident, which we're not going to get involved in because it seemed to break the internet. Um, but the kind of the general take of it was is McGeady was unhappy that would went away to Gillingham and we had him, Maguire and Duncan Watmore on the bench. Again, I think that was another one where we barely registered a shot on goal. I know the, the, the time down there prior that we didn't. But I think that he's he's got a bit of a belief about him to say like, look, we're Sunderland Football Club, we shouldn't perhaps be going away to teams like Gillingham and, and, and setting up for a draw or to make sure we don't concede, we should be taking the game to them. So I think he has that belief in his own abilities. Um, I personally think, and again, it's just an opinion, nothing factual, and I don't want a solicitor's letter through the door. Um, the reason I, I think he's he's basically been forced out um, is financial reasons. I, I really do. I think that, well, we're, we're well aware that he's he's one of the highest earners at the club. That's that's no surprise. That's that's no shock. But things have been mentioned in the past to say, you know, he's, he's a good player. Um, he's really enjoying his time at Sunderland. He had interest in the summer, but he stayed for Jack Ross. And, you know, he wanted to play under Jack Ross. And I think, you know, he's been aggravated that Ross has lost his job. You could see a few of them looked a little bit dismayed. Maybe they didn't agree with the appointment of Parkinson. Um, and, you know, he's, he's took a huff. So, yes, I, I agree, perhaps he's maybe not as effective as he was last season, but he, he hasn't really had that game time. He hasn't he hasn't had the opportunity to, to come in and change and change games. But... Do I agree that he's a, a bad apple? No, because this is the same player that if you look back six and a half, seven, eight months ago, whatever it was, he took us to Wembley. He scored two goals. You know, the following the following couple of days later, he then breaks his foot in action against Accrington. And he was he was he was getting injections to basically to carry us forward mm-hmm. to our promotion push. So I personally think it it's his desire to to be involved at all times. Yeah, I agree there is an over reliance on him because Everybody, everybody always wants to get the ball to McGeady and see what he can do because 
you know, he's one of the better players in the league, of course. But I think there's more to it. I think it's a convenient thing for rumours to get out and say that he's he's bullying, allegedly again, he's bullying players, uh, he's bullying younger players. But why why would he have him training with the under-23s if that was the case? Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's yeah. a bit of a, a weird thing, that, no, that's is a not? Point. Um, I think while, obviously, there's a lot of backroom politics obviously <coughs> going on behind this whole McGeady fiasco, and obviously we don't know a lot of the facts, but yeah. we can certainly speculate and we can infer... Yeah. Yeah, and some things don't add up. The running of, of the football club, really, if you think about it, they're employees. It's no different to anybody working for Mazda or Tesco. If somebody's doing something behind the scenes, there is obviously a discretionary process. If somebody's getting done for same misconduct, gross misconduct, whatever, we're never, ever going to know for data protection reasons and obviously for, for every discretionary reason under the book. But I think to kind of turn around and the way it was presented to say is not in our plans was a bit of a strange one because, I mean, we'd literally renewed his contract in the summer. Mm-hmm. to basically give him the extra year and then all of a sudden they have that U-turn to go no you know we're, we're going to let him we're going to let him go um, he's now linked with championship teams so realistically you're looking at it he's going to get a better move I know he wants to stay in the northeast, but even if it was the case that came out to us and said look we can't afford him or, or anything like that or it's a similar position to last year because we're a league one team now with league one finances etc if an offer comes in and it's too good for us to turn down we're going to have to let players go that's fine we understand that but would you not have had him involved in the last few games also I, I know it's obviously the question comes from winning a two and three but you look at that Bolton game for example and that was terrible mm-hmm. if we had a game changer on the bench like him he could have come on and look speculate and say we would have won it but maybe again at Fleetwood as well if that well, chance think, which felt yeah. row nine if that comes to him oh, yeah. he scores them of course Absolutely. I yeah. mean, I might think like in the build up to that Bolton game, he was training in the days to that, but I think something sparked off that he was taken out of the squad completely from Parkinson. Yeah, there's, there's, something happened. Certainly, something's happened. And like I said, with, with, to be fair, the, the only way we're probably ever going to find out is maybe Netflix season three. <laughs> yeah, because they seem Don't. to know. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's one of those where we'll not tell you anything, but we'll sell our soul to Netflix and they can they can reveal all. But yeah, I. I'd be interested to hear what he says when he does leave the club because he'll probably not hold back. We know he's that type of character. If he feels aggravated or, or annoyed about something, he will say it. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that's uh, always sticks in my mind with the McGeady thing, I think you touched on it there, Craig, is timing. And what I felt was, obviously we're just speculating, we don't know the ins and outs, but I thought it was reasonably convenient when sort of fans were turning on, turning on partners yeah. and seeing he's got the same group of players, how was... How have the levels dropped this much? It was quite convenient for him to be turn around and say, "Oh well, look what I've been dealing with in the yeah. dressing room." Um, obviously, to be fair, we have sort of seen better results, but I just I don't know. You, when you don't know the ins and outs, your, your mind wanders. But I've always thought it was quite convenient how many fans sort of quickly from going Parkinson's done terribly since he's came into. Well, you don't know what he's been dealing with. He's clearly had further problems, McGeady won't play since we've got rid of Jack Ross uh, you're never going to know but that, that'll always stick in my mind until we know the, f- the full story really probably a good time to move on to our third question here which comes from Ross Dobson who says are we now optimistic do we have faith in Parkinson's abilities after five games unbeaten and a good performance judge after the transfer window I'd yeah say. I think that's that's a fair rationale but why do you think that Jacob I just think like it's all when you're a manager in this league it's all depends on what sort of like business you can get in like obviously when you need the people at the top to like help you out with this as well but it's all about not necessarily having like finding the right quality just in league one it's about 
the right player for the right right time because players come and go from teams in this league like a player that is purely can have the ability to galvanize the team can have an effect on the team I should say to win promotion that's mm-hmm. what it is I, I wouldn't say it's looking at signings for long term if you know what I mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I think I mean there were teams recently who have been promoted with signings who don't appear to be cutting it in the championship or yeah. just gone immediately elsewhere. Mm. So I, I don't think there are many of us in the fan base now who would turn their noses up at a short-term solution yeah. mm. should it get us promotion. But I think one concern, and it comes back to what we spoke about earlier, that there are players in the team who I think if they were to be injured, that would seriously jeopardise some of the run-ins until they recover, the likes of Denver Hume, Lyndon Gooch, mm. you know, even Charlie White, who's the only striker in the mould that Parkinson really wants, as it would seem. It, let's say that hypothetically three of those picked up a knock and trading and that put them out for a fortnight. Mm. If you had Wickham and then Portsmouth the week after, you know, that's that's uh, that's tricky because yeah. su- suddenly you, you look significantly weak at Denver Hume. For me, he's been a revelation this season. He had a bit of a slow start. He had a bit of a tricky time settling in in the first couple of games. But once he got going, he's looked really good. Arguably our most creative player coming down the wing mm. in the absence of Aidan McGeady, certainly. Um, Lyndon Gooch, again, his energy and his finishing has been um, instrumental to the past three games. Those two go and then suddenly I think it's looking a bit more precarious and suddenly you might two wins or draws may become two losses you yeah. could even say given how things have gone with um, Denver Hume especially you fit like he's played so well these last few games like he's because I always said he was better playing in a, a flat back four I didn't think he had the ability to play in like a wing back role mm-hmm. just yet but I think we've had no choice but to do that to get results because of like the energy he brings to the team but it's a case of like, will he be able to do that on a on a success like for a long period of time? If yeah, you know what I mean, and I feel like because of like this is his first full season in the first team. You think could there be like an injury coming? If you know what I mean, like we we mm-hmm. may need some cover in that area. But right now, like he he is one of the first you'd want on the team sheet. Then for you, yeah, definitely. I, I do look at him now and think you know if you get injured. A little bit worried about what's going to happen mm. in your absence, and we I think there's, there's definitely yeah, it's, I think it's the quite. The system a... would have to change, to be honest. I couldn't see anyone. I think the best thing you could hope for is maybe even like McLaughlin left wing back or nine left wing back. I mm-hmm. can't see it. It'll totally change how we play because I think Jacob said there. I I was of the opinion Hume's rocky start was because he wasn't not good enough to play in a wing back, but it was. It was a different role he'd been asked to play yeah. and he looked more solid in a four. But now he seems like our, especially out wide with, because I, I know Gooch and Maguire are sort of playing either side of white, but they're more inside at the minute. I think mm-hmm. out wide he's our biggest outlet at the minute. So if we were to lose Hume, I I don't really know what we'd do in terms of his pace and ability out wide and just directness. No. And with the eye, I know he's a bit shaky defensively, but he's still got that instinct of I'm a left mm-hmm. back rather than just shoving a winger because we used to see it when we Gooch did all right at wing back but then when he was asked to drop in and when we were under the cosh you could see he, he wasn't really uh, used to it that much you notice now also with um, when a winger beats Hume you see Willis like instantly sp- sprint yeah. into the left to help him out and uh, it's good like combination play mm-hmm. but I feel obviously touching on what he was saying there I just feel if you get sick we may need to like change the system completely Mm-hmm. It's definitely a concern, and I think 
again, and, and obviously, since we're, we're having a spell of optimism, we will call it the three five two, not the five three two. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, but I think that's what it was designed to work under Ross. And while Ross didn't perfect it, Parkinson seems to be getting there. Yeah, again, that's I, true. I, I, like it, obviously, if this keeps up, I mean, I was one of his biggest critics. Parkinson still, still not convinced. But I would happily eat humble pie if he started to generate consistent good results like this I'm more than happy to can, can, sorry for cutting you off but just going back to that that question uh, I mean rightly like you said obviously better results now two wins and three mm-hmm. H- how are you viewing you know the, the kind of time in charge now are, are, are you looking at games you know for example you had people coming out yesterday with a spring in the step it's always nice to win they're going to two and three but do you think people are now not looking at the overall picture to go it's four and seventeen. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, if it's the case that we don't beat, say, Wickham next week, are people going to be doing a U-turn and and then basically going because it's been funny one on social media, for example, and I'm sure with Fan TV, you've got the same notifications that we have. They'll they'll basically get the Parkinson out, and that's what we got at Bolton in the ground. So everyone mm-hmm. was Parkinson out, get Phillips in, and I asked this at the very start of the season when we we're discussing Jack Ross. I personally don't think that Phil Parkinson will get sacked, but. You know, is it going to be one of those where he's always 90 minutes away from the fans sort of changing their mind? I'll I'll say at this stage, I don't want Phil Parkinson in charge of the football club. If we get promoted, even then still, I think that we have to look for something a little bit different. We have to now look at, say, setting out and having a particular mould, a particular way of thinking and, and sticking to it for a good few years. I don't think Parkinson's that man, and that's just my personal opinion, but... I suppose the question is, if we say have a bad result against Wickham next week, they come up here, they frustrate us, they score, and we maybe nick an equaliser later on, do people then you turn against them again and go, right, actually, it's shite again? I think it's always quite a volatile thing in football, the, the nature of managers. I think, especially in the context of Sunderland, it's quite a difficult situation because, obviously... What have Sunderland fans known? What have we known over the past failure. five years other than failure? Very little, let's be perfectly honest. So I think what tends to happen is is if managers start to lose games, there is a feeling of, here we go again. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, I mean, let's be honest here, the results prior to this recent run have been turgid. You know, there have been some absolutely crap results that Parkinson's got. So I think the fans have every right to have wanted them out. If he's starting to get results again, and I think a lot of us now are holding our breath thinking, actually, mm, hang on, maybe he's going to get it right. You know, possibly, maybe, but then obviously if we do lose to, let's say, hypothetically, you know, touch wood, this does not happen. Mm-hmm. Let's say you lost 3-0 to Wickham and you put in a terrible display and you get totally bullied. Suddenly the fans would be starting to think, right, yeah. maybe this guy isn't the blow again. Maybe, because he, because like X, Y and Z won't be right in that game. And fans will think, right, why is he not addressed these? Equally, though, if we went and won 3-0 because we got X, Y and Z right, yeah. we'll be thinking, right, Parkinson's on the it's up changing and up. It's yeah. But I think one of the, the difficult things, if you like, is obviously at the start of the season, it was never, ever helped by Stewart and Charlie opening their mouths and going 100 points. You know, we're, we're going to be keeping hold of everyone and then mm-hmm. subsequently selling everyone. And obviously we've got the McLaughlin fiasco now. He's been offered a contract. He said Thursday of last week. No, I haven't. Do you think, I mean, have we dropped our standards that low? Have we reduced them that much? Because when when Jack Ross was was in charge here and we got beaten Lincoln and it was, look, it was, it was a terrible display. Um, we, we were sixth, we'd lost two in 11 games, we'd knocked two Premier League teams out of the cup. But at that stage, Stuart Donald came out and said, I'm letting him go for underlying performance data because on the basis of where we are now, I 
think that we're going to finish eighth. And that's what they stuck to. And they never, ever, you know, published, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware, they never discussed with the Red and White Army in one of those meetings either to say, this is what we've, you know, kind of based our stats and facts on, if you like. But when Phil Parkinson came in, he said, you know, it's my job now to get the additional 10 to 15%. My remit's promotion. And Stewart said, playoffs is not acceptable. We're automatic promotion. Now, he was on Total Sport, obviously, the other night. And he basically said, if we, we get January right, and if we get a couple of results positive our way, the whole kind of games in hand, malarkey, you know, we have a chance of getting in the playoffs. So the the promotion word has been very, very kind of phased out, if you like, and, and he's only just mentioned playoffs. Mm-hmm. Is it the case that we should now, where we are, basically ninth, I believe, kind of re-increase our expectations to go, this league is absolutely horrendous. The team, everyone's beating each other. We've had the worst three months in the club's history and we're only a couple of points off now. So is it the case that we go actually, look, anything less than say, well, it's not beyond the realms of possibility to say that we can get in automatic promotion. We, We just need to beat those teams and we'll get back up. So is it fair to say, if we don't get in the playoffs minimum, that you know he's he's basically mm-hmm. he's a, the whole season is a failure because I think we need to start mentioning that promotion word again. I think what I would say, I think if if it was possibly any, I would say if this was maybe maybe three out of four seasons rather in the league, and we were sat in thirteenth, I would, and then we maybe we'd maybe sort of like shoulder barge that way back up to ninth. I think actually no, uh, automatics can't do that now. We're way too far away. We've lost too much ground. We're not going to recover it. However, you look at this League One table, and, and I implore any fan now just to pull your phone out and just Google it and have a look at it because it's really, really tight. It I is. mean, there are 12... I mean, I, I know that's, I know that's a, a fairly big number in football terms, but there are 12 points between us and first, but given we were like 15th about a fortnight ago, yeah. so and, and you play the team who are first and who have been losing quite a lot recently next week. So if you win that game, then you're going to close the gap even further. Results go your way, you're sixth. You beat MK Dons away, who aren't very good, then suddenly you're going to capitalise on that. And if you weren't in the playoffs before, you probably are now. If you were there already, you keep moving up. You win your third game. Where are you? Almost, mm-hmm. if not you know, you're probably third, fourth. I don't know the maths. I've not got the table handy. But you are getting going to, you would get very, very close yeah. to the automatics. And all it takes is a good run. And we saw Ross put together good runs with a team that had it, its fundamental flaws. And this is a league where it appears that the best teams are worse than the best teams of last year. Definitely. So is it possible to get promoted in the automatics? Of course it is. It absolutely is. There is potential in our team. And should we capitalise on that in the January window, I think there is every reason to assume... Let's go back to the original question, though. Again, I can bring that back around to answer that. It's about 20 minutes. Ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> am, I, am, I, am I optimistic? Based on what you've said there, Craig, I would say yes, but I'm also a bit concerned. I'm, I'm, there's, there's still worries in the back of my mind. Am I worried that Parkinson's still not the man for the job? Um, he's, he's, I am becoming convinced by recent results because he's playing a system that we all thought irredeemable for our team, but he appears to be making it work. The Hume and Willis dynamic, you know, Hume getting forward, Willis covering, that's worked brilliantly. Like Jacob said, I fully agree. I think we're looking a lot more clinical. We're taking our chances. We're bullying teams. We're using, we're being a bit less polite, a bit more aggressive. I think Parkinson's getting a lot of things right. I think there's work to do a bit still, but if he gets the right people in, then I think, I think there's a very good chance we will get promoted. So that's the next question, really. What sort of confidence do you have that the recruitment team will sufficiently support him this month because one thing we've always said is the win- the January window is the the big window, isn't it? And last year, we lose Josh Madger. And yeah, look, we're, we were all happy with Will Grigg when he was brought in at the time. Mm-hmm. 
he's been an absolute disaster. So if you look at it, how confident are you that whether it's Tony Corton or Richard Hill or you know one of these other scouts that we apparently have, but it doesn't seem that we have whatever. You know, how much confidence do you actually have now to say, right, okay, we're going to bring in the adequate signings because we're, what, a week in to January. We haven't really been linked with many, if any. And the ones that we have, it was a kid from Bristol who played in League Two for Newport, mm-hmm. scored three and 21. It's kind of got the, the hallmarks of a, a Cass Sterling or yeah. Yeah, a Debock, for example. And you think, we've, we've all mentioned, every single one of us now to say, we need strength and depth. We're looking at fullbacks. We're looking at, somebody who can perhaps come in and maybe take the place of Charlie Wyke um, if, if he's if he's not fit because it looks like Greg and McNulty don't fit the game plan like a Glenn Murray figure and obviously I know he's not going to come to Sunderland but it'd be nice to think so do we, do we have any faith in in the people behind the scenes that they're, they're going to do the job because for me we've had three really bad windows do we think they're going to do it? Well I don't I, I don't know who's running the club on a day to day basis so a part of me well, I was gonna say. is a little bit worried based on that because that, I mean, I, this is speculation born from, from born from worry and fear, but I don't really know who's who is taking control of this in the main. I don't I don't know, I don't know who's performing the CEO role currently. So what what I'm scared of is, are the recruitment team going to have explicit orders to go and get players X Y and Z, or are they just gonna look around and find us a Kaz Sterling and a mm. and a Debock? Because you know, there's a very fine line between strength and depth, and depth, yeah, to put it bluntly. And I think that's my worry. If we don't get the players that we need, and again, we come back to this, but if you players that are good and are doing well are getting injured, then you know, let's look at the past three games. Okay, you take Gooch, you take Hume, you take Maguire out the equation. Are you going to win those last three games we've just played? No, no, no. <laughs> would you? How many points from nine would you get? Would you think, lads? I probably think we would have it would have been a draw yesterday. I think um, if you take yeah. because I mean I've been one of the biggest critics about the shape and the formation, but it, it's like you said, it was more like a fluid three when we're mm-hmm. when we're getting at them and and pushing them in, into corners. So if you don't have that particular game plan, and let's say we had I don't know Grig up front who doesn't really seem to do that level of chasing or pressing, he, he runs Ooh. around a bit. We probably would have got a draw. I don't think we would have betted our result at Fleetwood. Obviously, it was a, it was a, it was only a draw anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, would have conceded late at Donny, I reckon. Yeah, they yeah. they applied yeah. a lot of pressure, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and again, even for the large parts, you go. Gooch's goal was it was a was oh, a, a, a moment of brilliance. It was yeah. just individual yeah. sort of Aidan McGeady levels. Yeah, of, well, that's it. You yeah. take Gooch out. Obviously, McGeady's already out because of of, of goodness knows what. Look at the first goal. Look look at the first goal. Sorry, the the second goal. Should I say sorry? Chris Maguire's goal. Mm-hmm. It all came from Denver Hume and Lyndon Gooch yeah. Yeah. For, for, for hard work down mm-hmm. that side. So a lot of players in League One don't really have that cutting edge of that edge of the game. Yeah, I think, I think that's important. I mean, we can talk about while it's working for Wickham, you can have. As much uh, sort of well, uh, well, a well drilled squad and everyone doing the jobs, but you do need in football just that player who can flip a switch, and especially in a level like this. I mean, we've seen like we were hinting there about Gooch and Hume running at defenders, they seem to panic and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get goals out of that. And we're seeing it all last year with McGeady, where we could, and Craig mm-hmm. touched on it earlier, somewhere like somewhere like the Bolton game that is just poor and nothing's going on, McGeady could get the ball and score a 30-yard uh-huh. screamer after yeah. taking on three people. And uh-huh. I'm not seeing Gooch is at the same level, but we saw a Doncaster, he can get the ball, there's nothing on, and scores a screamer, uh-huh. scores a good goal yesterday. And I think we'd, 
we need to be very careful going back to the question about January. If we're going off, and Craig said the last windows, not I don't think we've ever really improved from a window under Stewart and particularly in League One. And in many ways, I think we've gone backwards. We were very unlucky with Madger and really quite unlucky that Wilbrig hasn't panned out because we were all, including myself, yeah. I was really quite pleased that we've got He Craig. seemed like the perfect replacement, yeah. didn't he? So that's unfortunate. But other than that, I sort of, particularly the last one, we've sold players and then got people in like you to box who you it was quite obvious it was just anyone through the door type yeah. policy so I'm hopeful but obviously January's hard and as you were saying there you don't know who's running the club so I, yeah it's just it's I don't know if there's a if like maybe a, a lack of leadership yeah if if again it's the the, the operative word is if if yeah. there is a lack of leadership that implies perhaps a lack of transfer policy or yeah. a, a lack of ethos. And failing that, you obviously, as you said there, you're going to get the anyone through the door policy. You're going to get you're going to get a debauch and a sterling in. I could just see that happening again, sort of the last few days yeah. of the window. I could see all mm-hmm. signed. Debauch just keeps coming to my mind, but like a, a Leeds player whose fans then tell us he's the worst player they've yeah, seen in the history. Like, oh, that's it, it. I couldn't. You could easily see that happening again, which is um, obviously I hope not. I hope we do make great signings like your likes of Willis has obviously been a great signing, but. Apart from him, Dobson's done well, but like Lynch on a free. Yeah, yeah. Lynch, mm-hmm. but in January it's so much harder, and especially if we're going for mm-hmm. people who are doing well in this league, why would they leave their club to come here? The definitive kind of thing which would need to be said to all of these players, and it was one of the things that was mentioned when Donald was talking about recruitment, they have to be the right players. They have to know that coming into this football club, you're going to turn up, you're going to play in front of 30,000 people every yeah. single week. You have to be the right character. You have to come in here and know basically what the expectations are and you know that our remit's promotion. Now, personally, I think if we don't get promoted this season, then, you know, it's probably going to be bordering on somewhat of a disaster. But the expectations need to be set and we need to make sure that these players are the right ones. When you've watched certain players, for example, on, on like the Netflix documentaries, your Steels, your Johnny Williams and things like that, they look like they just have not been able to cut the grade and they've looked like they've hated coming into work and... You look at someone like Luke O'Neill, for example, who's always got a smile on his face. And even when it's been really, really tough, you know, he's never shied away from any sort of, uh, you know, kind of press things. And he's been on videos and he's always taken photos for fans. So what I'd be looking at is, is a similar ilk. You know, we, we need somebody who's basically going to come in and, and grab this opportunity to go, right, you know, next season, I'm going to be a championship player with this football club. So I, I think that in terms of what we're looking for, I imagine it might end up with freebies or loans, but by God, they have to be the right ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at Lewis Morgan last season, for example, when he came in, I thought he was quite good. Mm-hmm. I could never quite get my head around why he couldn't last beyond 60 minutes. Maybe that's just the Glasgow diet that he's had up there, you know. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Too much, I guess. Yeah, but for a, young, for a young kid, he never really looks that sort of fit do you know what I mean no. but he, he was he was a, he was a good signing I, I, I would say he was one of the better signings um, but we need to do our homework and we need to make sure that the, the characters we bring in are, are definitely the right ones one thing I was I thought with the signings we made last season I think the mistake we made like towards the end of this if you looked at the average age of the squad it was a lot older yeah. than the teams that won promotion I think with um because that playoff final we lost to Charlton when you looked at the average age of their team I think they had like young energetic players that could like keep going in the latter stages of the games whilst we were banking on experience to get us over the line 
mm-hmm. which I think we need to, the recruitment policy needs to get this spot on in this window. We need a balance. Like someone like potentially, I think, similar to when we brought Lynch on a free in the summer, someone like that, but we will need um, young players as well to maintain good energy levels in the team. You know who we could go for, Alex? And I know you've mentioned him a hundred times. Go on. Bright Enabakara. Bright Enabakara. Honestly, I mean, I think Coventry are definitely the favourites there, but yeah. Wright will have Bright Enabakara. He's <coughs> just basically exactly what you need. Tall, physical, runs at people fast. Yeah. Caused just an absolute nightmare at the stadium like last season, didn't Absolutely. he? What about Ethan Robson though coming back? Is, is is Ethan Robson likely to feature as much, do you think? Because the the interesting thing was yesterday, Parkman said he's, reco- he's recalled but a lot of other teams are looking at him. Now he's That's only, an interesting choice of words. He's only got a couple of yeah. months left on his contract, so is it the case we'll go, right, we're going to maybe get a tiny fee for him, or is now last chance saloon? Is, is he going to be involved? What do you expect? I don't know. The, the Grimsby fans seem to like him, but obviously League 2 is a lower standard. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. A part of me, I would like to see as many youth players involved as possible, but again, it, it has to be brutally only if they're good enough to get us promoted. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he is, but that's purely because I don't He's know. never had the chance, really, has he? I, I don't feel no, like he, he has, really. to be honest. So I, I don't know. It was it was funny because he said there were other clubs looking at him as well. That Now, if you're reading between the lines, that kind of implies he's looking to offload him. Yeah. Maybe that's just, again, maybe that's just me, but I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see him, but obviously if he isn't good enough, then we can't really take the chance, but perhaps he should have had a chance prior to, to this stage in our in our season. But I suppose hindsight's a wonderful thing. Anyway, I think that's probably a good place to leave it for today. So our, our final little part of the segment, let's have our predictions for the Wickham game. I'll go around the table, give me your scoreline, give me your goal scorers and any other little miscellaneous facts about the game that you can think of off the top of your head. Start with you, Sam. Um, I think we touched on it earlier. It's going to be a physical game. And I think when we were saying, um, it's not big-headed of us to say position by position we've got a more talented player that's factual so I think what you see in there is um, quite frankly if we match them in terms of fitness physicality and desire mm-hmm. we should be beating them really uh, on talent so hopefully Parkinson can get the players up for it they looked very upright against Lincoln they should be even more upright against mm-hmm. top of the league um, there'll be no pushovers Wigan will be coming here here you're very confident. Um, in terms of scoreline, uh, you've got to just think it's going to be a, a horrible game to watch, really, with either a one-one or a two-one. But I'm going to go, I'm going to go positive, and I'm going to go um, two-one Sunderland. I think, I think we'll go one-nil down early on, but I do think we'll bounce back. I think the fans, like you were saying earlier, we saw against Burton, will really, really try and get behind us, and I think we'll respond, and I think we'll we'll nick a few goals. Um, I think Gooch will score. He's, he's got to be full of confidence going into the game. And I think Wyke will score from a corner as well. Not a very good goal, but I'll celebrate it nonetheless. Fair enough. <laughs> Jacob, you're up. Yeah, um, obviously, in terms of quality, it'll be very different next week. Mm. I don't think it'll be necessarily an entertaining game to watch because of what they will want to bring. Um, I think they'll have like a compact style. Um, they'll, they'll take a point any day coming mm-hmm. to us knowing that the form we're in at this moment in time so I'm going to say I'm go for a 1-0 Sunderland win I think Gucci all aboard the Gucci gang he will get the goal um, I think it will be a Charlie White flick on he'll run in, run onto space in the box and I think similar to his third one yesterday he'll slide it into the corner and I think 
second half, like the game will die down. We'll look comfortable at the back. That we'll deal well with a lot of long balls, and I think we'll we'll see the game out. But I'll happily take that right now. Greg, I think next week is going to have elements of that Portsmouth playoff first leg at yeah. the stadium like last season. Yeah. I have. I think yesterday was a bit of a turning point, and don't get me wrong, right? I am as miserable as sin about football. I, I always maybe look at negatives, but I think what we've seen with the crowd and. You know, sometimes when you're looking at the atmosphere and you're hearing like kind of songs about Newcastle to get people going, it, we haven't had that for a good few days now. It's, just, mm-hmm. it's a good few games, sorry. It's, it's all been pro Sunderland and there was no dissent or there was no moans or anything like that. And I think we're going to bring that into next week. And I think we're now in a position where everyone realises to go like, look, we win this game. That is sending a statement out to the rest of the league because... If you noticed on like Sky yesterday, they were like, oh, Sunderland's promotion push is continuing. So it's even like the news you know, channels are actually starting to believe it's it's on mm-hmm. again. So I think if we have that, then then yeah, I think I think we're going to basically take it to them. I don't think Wickham will bring many fans, certainly not much as yesterday, but look, Lincoln, what, brought 3,500 and they didn't change the game at all. No, but... And away followings can sometimes yeah. have a big, mm-hmm. big factor of how... How the game goes, I think. Well, they were, they were loud until the first goal went in. Basically, yeah, and then we're yeah. out with them, and then they realised the place mm-hmm. again. Yeah. I think that it will be a really, really ugly game. I think there'll be lots of kind of um, close calls in terms of. Uh, I think we'll be at each other's throats. I think it'll probably be stop start for a while. I think there'll be yellow cards. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me to see if at least one team finished with, mm. with 10 men, yeah. I'd like a decision to perhaps go away for a change. I'd love to see somebody get sent off for an opposition <coughs> team for something daft. Um, but no, I believe it or not, I actually have a little bit of confidence. I do think we're going to win. Um, I think we're going to win 1-0. And based on comparing the Portsmouth game, I'm going to go with Chris Maguire to score the winner. I think the only downside really about this particular game so I wish it would have been played on a night. Maybe I know we've got a Friday night game against Doncaster. I wish this was the Friday night game yeah. this week. Start yeah. the weekend, yeah. set out a big statement to go. You know what? We're, we're basically we've gone away for a couple of months, and everyone's went Sunderland a shite. We're better than Sunderland. We should be beating teams like Sunderland. But just basically remember that we're still the best team in this league. Mm-hmm. Even despite how terrible we've been, we're still in close contention for it. I I do think it'll be the ugliest game we've seen all season. But I'm confident for a one 0 win. Yeah. Well, I think to give my own, I fully agree with yours. I fully agree with the, with, with the form of three, really, um, uh, all things considered. I think we're very, very fortunate to have the games the way they are. I mean, we've enjoyed a lot of successful results recently. We've just seen a 3-1 win the week before. So I think the fans will be very much up for seeing another win against Wickham. I think we'll be, I think the fans will be behind them from the off. I think we'll be resolute. I think if we're able to keep the same formation and they keep same, in, the, in the same setup. Then I think consistency will be key. I think we'll look very solid, but we'll be we'll be able to match them in aggression and in sort of arrogance, while having more quality. And I think for me, that's going to result in a one nil win. Bit ugly, as you say. There'll probably be one person sent off, potentially two. There'll be at least one scrap. It's going to be Ozturk, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just I'll... hope it's not Maguire. Like I, I, just I have don't know. A, a sickening oh. feeling like the occasion will get to him. No, that's he... that's why we need that. Portsmouth replication, yeah. don't we? Where he, he's getting he, under people's skin. He's, he's, he's quite got to get himself out of it though. Like when he got when he, when he like he Tom Naylor, didn't he? When he mm. got he got mm. to not hide the ball off him. Yeah, yeah. I think no Maguire. I think he's going to yeah. drawing it out, but he never seemed to get actually caught in the in the headlights himself. But I think I don't know. Here's my prediction. I think we're going to win one nil, and both teams will finish with ten men. I think we'll get Ozturk <laughs> sent off for something stupid. 
and I think they'll get. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know. To be honest with you, I don't even know. Who they insert Wickham player here. Yeah, in, insert Wickham player who's been sent off before in here to support my statement. But yeah, I think we'll win one nil. I think we'll score. Uh, I think we'll score a really scrappy goal from like a really scrappy set piece. I think it'll be someone like uh, Flanagan. Flanagan. Flanagan will tap it <laughs> over the line. Yeah, one nil. Flanagan um, will be fairly in control. It'll be a tight game. Ostel gets off for something stupid with 85 minutes on the clock. And Shit then we'll have, for the next five. have a really nervy five minutes <laughs> yeah. plus 12 added time. So, you know, that'll be how it goes. Anyway, that'll wrap us up nicely for today. Thank you very much once again for listening to the Roker Report podcast. Thank you, Sunderland Uni, for once again providing your studio for us to record in. Um, thank you to my guests who've come in. Thank you, Craig and Sam. No, thanks Pleasure. For us. Yeah, and thank you, Jacob of SFC Fan TV. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming in. Don't forget to check out SFC Fan TV on their social media themselves. They provide a different dimension to the cover we provide. They have video reactions after the games. They have a Sunday panel and so much more. It is another good outlet for all things Sunderland. Don't forget to check them out too. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And farewell. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.